welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast presented by Oz Rally Pro. This is episode number 105, and in this show, we chat with Dylan Gondike, once a crew member for TJ Pullen, and now battling him for podiums in the hotly contested regional NA four-wheel drive field. Then, I tell you about why I think the Open class needs to be slowed down a bit, and it's not because of McKenna's new car. So grab a cold one and join me for another round at the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Hello again. I'm your host, Mike Sean. It's been a heck of a couple of weeks since the New England Forest Rally. Let's see here. We've had, what, Travis Pastrana drove the monstrous Vermont sports car built uh, Beast of an Air Slayer, as they're calling it, to a new record up Mount Washington. He not only beat the record, but obliterated it. So that was really cool to see. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, go check out the onboard because uh, at one point at about 100 miles an hour, you see Travis actually take the time to wave at somebody. Um, (laughs) The guy's nuts and we love him for it. Uh, let's see your way. So Ken Block and Alex Gelsomino, as well as Ryan Millen and Stephen Harrell, they both competed in the Best in the Desert Vegas Torino off-road race uh, in trophy trucks. Ryan and Stephen, they were unfortunately taken out by a mechanical issue about 250 miles in. Ken and Alex, they were able to finish, but they had multiple punctures and power steering issues, but they still made it to the end. So that's cool for uh, first-timers for them. And then, of course, for your WRC followers, as I am, we had, of course, the Belgian round of the WRC in Ypres, they also went to Spa Frankerchamps with uh, Frankerchamps or whatever. I can't do a French accent very well. Uh, it was pretty cool to see uh, Thierry Neuville t- take his home round to a win there and uh, Craig Breen uh, putting on a good performance. But for the folks that we know um, that have competed over here stateside, Oliver Solberg was there uh, in one of the brand new Rally 2 Hyundais, which unfortunately several of them had some issues. Um, Oliver dealing with the uh, power steering having a problem and having to go like, you know, Hulkamania on the darn thing. And uh, what was really interesting, though, was seeing Aaron Johnson, his co-driver, actually using the handbrake for Oliver at times in some of the corners. So uh, I thought that was some pretty cool uh, in-the-car teamwork. I haven't seen something like that before. Uh, Other folks that we know um, or have seen, Josh McGurling, he was at Olympus earlier this year. He was fifth in WRC3 and uh, 12th overall. And then uh, John Armstrong and friend of the show, Phil Hall, they won junior WRC category for the event, including seven JWRC stage wins, which add some great points to their total, putting them, I think, second in the JWRC championship right now. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Other stuff about uh, about the WRC round that I thought was interesting is uh, the fact they did use that spa circuit. I thought it was going to be pretty boring, to be honest. But actually, I thought it was really cool. It, it reminded me of how we do our uh, fan fest stages out at Portland National Raceway out here at Oregon Trail. But it had a whole lot of elevation change because, you know, they're using the side access roads as well as getting on the circuit. No, I thought it was pretty neat. Those guys uh, going as fast as they were on the really narrow access roads. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty impressive. But not probably good for fan viewing other than from the onboards. The onboards I thought were pretty cool of uh, watching that. But Definitely a little taste of home. Uh, wish we had those kinds of elevation changes, I guess, here at uh, PIR, but eh, uh, still fun stuff to see the cars ripping it around. Let's uh, see here. If you are a Northwest listener, uh, one other thing I wanted to note is that the Oregon Trail Rally just opened up its volunteer registration, so please sign up. Um, we need all the volunteers we can get. I think we've only got about 50 signed up so far. So go to the OregonTrailRally.com website, click on the volunteer link, and it'll take you to Rallymaster Pro. We're uh, using a different service for signing up our volunteers. So if you had signed up in the past, um, it's a different system, so you need to put in a new, create a new account with Rallymaster Pro. So a uh, new thing for us, but uh, yeah, we're getting all geared up and having more and more meetings as we get ready for the Oregon Trail Rally this fall. Uh, super stoked for that. Anyways, uh, enough about that. Let's uh, bring on Dylan Gondike right after this. Go. Five right short over crest into second small crest 40, full F plus nips. Hi, this is Alex and Rian Gelsomino from Oz Rally Pro, advanced rally training. Are you new to rally or have you been rallying many years? No matter what your experience, we can progress you further. Our classes are team training, driver pace note training, or co-driver training that are tailored to each individual or team. Email osrallypro at gmail.com for further details. 
Well, as I said in our opener, welcome Dylan Gondike to the Open Paddock Rallycast. How you doing? Good, good. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing much better this week. Um, <laughs> I had an interesting experience last week. Last week we had a great call, you and I. This is this is kind of your first time, but second time on the show, so it's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had so much fun. We're gonna do it again. Exactly. Uh, I, I swear, Friday the Thirteenth came on Tuesday last week for me. You know. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it was. I had this weird, mysterious illness that hit me. Uh, we recorded a wonderful hour of conversation that apparently ended up being an hour of dead air. All that's behind us. Now all positive going forward, right? Absolutely. We're, we're talking rally, so I, I can't be too upset. There we go. Well, b- before we get to rally, though, I got to start off with um, the, the traditional starting of the Open Paddock Rally cast. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest. I managed to snag one just recently. That is such a good beer. Uh, one of my favorites was when uh, I was traveling with um, Peter McDonald, who did all the easy track tracking stuff when I was doing stuff with ARA. He was often the guy that was in the same hotel room as me, and he loved that beer too. And so we'd get a six-pack of that or whatever and share it over a weekend, and mm, that's a good one. Yeah, I usually stockpile them uh, well into the uh, the winter months. All right, for all of you out there, look out. Your uh, <laughs> your grocery store is going to be a little empty because Dylan's <laughs> going to be stocking it up. <laughs> well, for me, um, I went. It's, it's nice and warm here. Actually, it's been too warm out west, to be honest. Um, I, I'd actually be happy for some rain. But uh, nice and warm out, so I poured myself a gin and tonic using uh, Aviation Gin, which uh, is one of the ones that's local here. And, uh, um, yeah, good, good flavor to it and uh, nice and bright and uh, keeping me chipper. There you go. Well, Dylan, I, I wanted to bring you on because not only did you have a stellar performance out there at the New England Forest Rally, but we also want to just get to know you a little better. Uh, I, you know, again, I like to always start this out with, a, how did you get started in rallying and in motorsports in general? Well, rallying in particular was, was probably a, a fairly recent adventure for me, really. I had always been involved in, in motorsports, you know, since I was a kid, but it was always... Um, uh, at a at an amateur level, you know, it was backyard dirt bikes and and quads and and then into autocross and some track days and then I I got into rallycross um, probably five six years ago and I didn't have any ambitions of of doing anything more than that I was just having fun and I ended up crewing for a good friend T J Pullen at STPR 2016 I think it was and I was absolutely hooked um it was it was such an amazing weekend and i came away from it and i said i have to do this whatever it takes i have to get out on stage and uh, it took me a few years and uh poor tj i only crewed for him once ever um and and then went off and and built my own car and, and now we race together uh but but yeah that's uh that's how i joined so that was the first rally you attended. So, ha- so from that point, you had to build. A, you wanted to build a rally car, but did you just get go straight into building a stage car from the beginning, or did you start off with uh, playing around with something else? So I had my my rally cross car was um, pretty unconventional. It was a, a 1969 uh, Mercury Cougar. Um, oh, jeez! So a, a big. Those VA. things are gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> very very heavy. Uh, doesn't steer quite right, and uh, and break set at almost every single event I take it to. Um, but it was a ton of fun and I, I had built it from the ground up. I had restored the car and, uh, uh, reinforced the chassis and, and, um, did quite a few things to it to kind of harden it for, uh, doing, doing silly events. Um, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't to the point where I could turn it into a stage car and, and be confident that it wouldn't hold together. So I, I went the typical route, um, and, and bought a, a very clean, uh, Subaru, uh, from an old lady who had passed away and, uh, and started building that up. And, and that was a two year build, um, to, to get that on stage. Wow. That's dedication. Yeah. It's, uh, something I, I basically did everything but the cage myself. Um, so it was a lot of, uh, learning along the way in terms of what you need on a, on a rally car and what you don't in um, underbody prep, wheel scrapers, all all the million little details that it takes to build a reliable stage car. 
Now, you've always been a, a garage tinkerer like that to go into that much detail and all the all those things. Yeah, it's it's usually been you know classic car restorations and and you know goofy little side projects. Um, so this kind of focused it into into something with a you know a singular racing purpose, and it was it was such a cool build for me um to go through and and do all that so we did some really meticulous things that i i wouldn't do if i had to rebuild a car today but i i learned so much doing it so where do you get you know for someone else that's like building a car for stage i mean where do you get your information to build that car because you didn't own a subaru before so you're going into a newer platform going into all-wheel drive and all that is it the rally community that really helped out with that um as far as information or or how is it that you kind of figured out what you're gonna do with it yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, it was all the friends that, that were into it. And, and I just started asking questions and joining Facebook groups and searching YouTube videos. So Team O'Neill had a series of awesome videos on, you know, the how-tos of actual rallies. Um, but they didn't really have much on on how to build a car. Um, so I actually started making um, videos on on how to, um, how to build rally car, how to do stage prep and, and what you need and what you don't as I as I went to these events because they didn't really exist on YouTube when I was trying to build a car and it took me a little bit. Um, so my co-driver actually had a Subaru and, you know, I saw the, the bad side of, you know, he, he went through engines probably uh, as much as he went through uh, shorts in the summer, but... <laughs> Um, it was, it was cheap and it was a really competitive car. Um, so I went after one, um, and I actually, I had never driven all wheel drive before. And, uh, he let me take his car out into, into my backfield to, to practice a little bit before I brought it to a, a rally cross and, and raced with him. And, uh, the very first time I, I drove this all wheel drive car, I, I sent it through a fence in, in my backfield. Oh, no. Uh, look, luckily, the fence was pretty rotted. Didn't do any damage to the car, but um, it, was, it was such a humbling experience. You know, I'm, I'm just this uh, redneck, you know, hick playing around with rear-wheel drive muscle cars, and I get into the all-wheel drive stuff, and I had no clue what to, what to do or, or how to react. Um, so definitely... Definitely had uh, had nowhere to go but up from there. And that was Ben's car. That was Ben's car. Yeah. So I, it seems like you and Ben have had a, a relationship for a long time before you got into the stage rallying, then, right? Yeah, we were really good friends. We met in uh, in college um, through a car club, and uh, and he was always doing uh, crazy things with cars, same as me. Um, but he he stayed more on on the import side of uh, of life. We we actually we both crewed for TJ Pullen uh, once. Ben crewed for him once and got the bug too, and said, "I I have to build a car. I have to do this." Uh, so poor TJ he lost out on two crew members um, after singular events. Um, and and Ben and I got together and we said, "Hey, we we we've got to do this." So you know, whoever builds a car first, well, I guess they're driving, and and the other person is co-driving. Uh, so I. I'm a control freak. I couldn't imagine sitting in the passenger seat, so I made sure to build the car really fast. So I got to drive, and uh, and he agreed to sit in the in the co-driver's seat. So I, so now what you need to have is uh, crew members that come crew for you, and then turn into competitors. <laughs> so you have that same rotation. We just end up with a field that's so thick of uh really fun na four-wheel drive competitors you know uh, between you and tj i've lost one crew member already um (laughs) tim thomas built his own car it was the the red rally beetle that you might have seen pictures of it at new england forest rally and i'm losing a second crew member maybe in the next year or two um who wants to go out and build a build a car too but i i can't be mad i i can't do anything but smile when i see them you know start their own builds and and um you know try to try to get in it for themselves because i know how much fun it's going to be that's awesome uh poor tj i think the problem is is tj makes everything so much fun that that you guys just couldn't say no to doing your own that's it i mean he makes it look so easy he goes out there in a in a old wagon and he and he spanks everyone with it uh doesn't he It's, it's brilliant i love it so what was your first event that you competed in then? 
So New England Forest Rally 2019 was uh, was our very first event, and uh, the car was was fairly well prepped, um, but we ended up with uh, with an up and down rally anyway, uh, a really up and down rally. Before you get into too much detail on that, though, I got to ask, because that rally starts out with Concord Pond, and you know I'm sure you've seen onboards or or. Uh, whatever of that stage you then go out and you recce it for the first time and now you're sitting at the start of what is a taste of finland in the u.s what's going through your mind your first time competing flat out on that stage because that that's got to be wide-eyed as the opener to your rallying career (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was was, man what an opener um it's I'm a I'm an anxious guy so I'm I'm sitting on the starting line every time and I'm thinking you know did I um, did I tighten this bolt on the suspension? Did I, you know, uh, <laughs> check the lugs? Are the tire pressures okay? Did I forget something? Um, and then, of course, it being our, our very first stage at our very first stage rally, and, and it's in front of all these spectators, um, our nerves couldn't have been any uh, any higher. And and it was just... Uh, Man, it was it was fast and it was it was over in a flash. And then we got to, you know, think about it for an hour before we did it all over again. That's kind of a good thing, though, being able to repeat it, especially when you're just starting out, isn't it? Because then you kind of like, you know, the communication, especially, which is so important for a driver and co-driver. Uh, when you're just getting started, that that seems like it's a it's a good way to kind of, OK, now we know how to set that pacing going forward, right? Oh, it's fantastic. I wish more rallies did that, like Sofer at the Super Special, if if we ran that twice in a row or something like that. Um, you know, second time through, we get to put on a, a greater show for spectators. But, um, you know, for us, it was it was our very first try at annotating Gemma notes and changing things around and, and seeing, you know, what those notes actually meant at speed in our car. So it was, uh, to be able to run it twice and, and to kind of give us some confidence for the rest of the rally was, was critical, I think. So then the rest of the rally, um, actually I remember 2019 and, uh, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit before, cause I'll let you tell your part of the story, but I do remember first meeting <laughs> you in 2019, um, at the new England forest rally. And, uh, first of all, it, that was a hot one. The, the temperatures were high and the humidity was high that weekend. And, uh, yeah, I'll let you kind of take it from there. Yeah, I actually, I don't remember meeting you because I, I don't think I was, I was quite uh, coherent enough to speak to people, uh, when you came by at first. Uh, but so we had, we had finished up day one of the rally and we were doing pretty good and we didn't really know what to expect out of the car for speed. You know, we'd put a couple hundred pounds worth of cage and safety equipment and things like that in it. And it seemed a little slow, but it's an NA Subaru with a bunch of weight. It's going to be slow, I thought. And so we got into day two of Nefer, and we had just finished, I believe it was the second stage of the day. It was Wilson Mills. We fly through the finish, and then I let off the, uh, the gas, and as soon as I let it idle down, the engine stalls completely. Um, so we go rolling, uh, into time control with, uh, with no engine and we can't get it started again. Um, and I thought I had blown the, uh, the battery fuse. We had no power. So we had some spectators that were sitting there at the end of the stage, push us downhill, um, couldn't get it pop started. Wheels just locked up. I didn't understand what was going on. 20 minutes later, we had a competitor roll through that actually hooked up a tow uh, tow rope and we managed to pop start the car, but it had died because the, the engine had overheated and seized. So it spun a bunch of, uh, of rod bearings. And so we got it started again and it, it sounded awful. It was clattering like hell. So Wilson mills to a Zisco host, the transits, I think it's like eight or 10 miles and it's it's one road there's no turnoffs there's no nothing it's just right it's just it's just make while you're making that loop around the lake right so you start out one leg then it stops you transit to the next start and then you go to the next one right yeah so we had no choice but to but to continue on there was no nowhere to break off and like shoot down a side road and get back out to civilization and head to service 
Um, and there was no cell service in that area at all. Um, so we, we just pushed on, we tried to make it to the start of the next stage and the engine made it maybe five, six miles. And then it locked up for good. So we drift to a halt in the middle of the road. There's like no shade anywhere around us. Um, it's blazing hot. We had run through pretty much all the water in our camelbacks and we're watching all the competitors go by and then sweep comes by and, and picks up our transponders and drops off some water for us. And, uh, they say they'll, they'll try to radio to our crew where we are. And I actually had an engine, a spare engine, a $150 Craigslist engine sitting in my truck, ready to go because it's a Subaru. So I anticipate that these kinds of things will happen to a Subaru during a rally. Um, so we were, we were pretty optimistic about actually being able to, to change it and get back out there, but they were having radio trouble with the event and they actually never relayed through the stations that to our crew that we were out there and a competitor finally actually told them at service that, Hey, did you hear from your crew? We passed or from your team, we passed them. They were broken down with a blown engine and, and then they came out to get us, but it was hours and hours of time. So at that point we're, we're sitting there with nothing to do, no cell service We we can't walk two or three miles in either direction to, to get to civilization or, or, you know, a stage start. So I'm, I'm angry enough that I just get out the toolbox out of the back of the car and, uh, and I start pulling the engine on the side of the road. So you're on the side of the road. If I remember right, it's, it's over 90 degrees and it's gotta be like 80% humidity or so. It's, it was freaking insane humidity out there. Yeah, it was awful. And you're pulling an engine stuff on the side of the road. Yeah, not, not bright at all, but I'm, I'm angry and, <laughs> and throwing radiator hoses. It's my first rally. I'm going to finish it. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was uh, I was pretty single minded in the moment. So so we got actually most of the engine pulled. We had it all ready to go except for pulling out the the, the clutch fork pin, and the engine would have would have been able to lift out. So I was I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> and uh, and finally, a couple hours in, our our crew comes uh, riding over the horizon in my truck, and we hooked up and we flat towed it like thirty miles back to the remote service. And, and we start rushing around to change the engine. And the, the heat was so bad, one of my crew members had to, had to stop working and, and go sit in the truck with the air conditioning on. And I kept going, and I'm trying to work on the car, and, like, I stopped sweating. And I didn't realize kind of what was happening. Yeah, that's the sign. And, and I just kept on running around. <laughs> And, and maybe five minutes later, I, I run around the side of the truck to grab another tool. And, and then I just said, oh, okay, I got to sit down for a second. And uh, I didn't get up for a long, long time. So that's when I first noticed you, uh, because you had the local medical team was coming over to <laughs> assist you. Because, yeah, you, you, you completely overheated. Yeah, yeah, that was my first experience with heat stroke. And it was... It was weird not being able to formulate words and complete sentences. And, and luckily, somebody saw me um, from the crew next to us, and he came over and he recognized what was happening. So he got ice packs and he got medical over there and, and uh, started getting liquids back into me. Brilliant. And, you know, so that's an hour and a half long process to, to bring me back to, to life. And while that was happening... The engine swap never stopped on our car. That That's the other brilliant part of the story, because, uh, again, another thing that I witnessed is all of a sudden this gaggle of people coming from other places to work on your car. Not just your crew, of which you're already down one man, plus yourself. Um, so much being for the control freak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I remember seeing these guys like hollering to other teams nearby to help you guys out. And I, I, I swear I saw a pair of two by fours hold, with chains being lifted up to hold the to bring the engine in and out and all that stuff. Yeah, we had we had no engine hoist and I didn't have an engine lift bar, so it was whoever had a had a board and uh, and some chain and it was I think it was like three or four other teams that came over to to help with the swap. 
you know, so there's just a cluster of, you know, as many people as could stand around the engine compartment of this Subaru helping uh, get the new engine in. And it, it took us a, I think it took us 90 minutes, two hours to get it back in because I had packed the wrong uh, clutch alignment tool. So we couldn't, we couldn't get the clutch aligned and, and get the, uh, the input shaft into the uh, pilot bearing. And so these guys didn't do just one engine swap. They did basically three engine swaps because they kept on having to pull the engine back out completely to try and fix what was going on with the clutch. So wow. it, was, it was a Herculean effort. Wow, that's something. But it, it really speaks to the the rally community all all coming in to help each other and and come up with something. And 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 during this time, you know, you're you're recovering. Um, all these other people are jumping in to help. And the second loop of doing all those stages is now underway. Um, and then really, it kind of comes down to there's going to be just one stage left, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. We we had just gotten out of wilson mills before the second loop started so they were about to close the stage roads we we snuck through uh the controls by about maybe 60 seconds um to get it back flat towed back to service so we're we're hustling just to make the very last stage just north road we just i don't care that it's only one stage i just want to be able to drive it and say i rolled across the finish line and they got the swap done and and I recovered enough to start walking around again and <laughs> and talking and um, I got the okay to uh, to climb back in and we got our transponder back and we were able to roll out of the last service and and transit to the very last stage and run it. Wow! For your first ever stage rally experience of driving yourself, what was it like crossing that finish line after all that? Uh, I can't even describe it it was it was such a great feeling to you know what a roller coaster day to start it off and and think we're you know going to be fairly competitive to hours of sitting on the side of the road to heat stroke to all these other teams working their asses off just to help us do that one last stage the new guy help helping the new guy yeah yeah it was uh it was incredible it's why i love rally as a motorsport and uh, and really, it was it was such a jam packed first event, and then of course, so we finished North Road and and uh, and we got to transit back to Sunday River and stop at the pie stand oh. and get celebratory pies. And I love that pie stand. So it, it couldn't end it any sweeter. That's so perfect. And and I I do remember also after you went through the through the final MTC and the cars kind of come back behind you know where the uh, uh, Sunday River you know, resort places there and, and where they set up the podium and the kind of, they start parking cars and there were a lot of people out there to congratulate you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think some of them were just happy to see me walking around after, after the stunt I pulled. Uh, but, but it was, it was really cool because we, we know most of the regional competitors, their crews pitched in, we would have done the same for them. And it's, um, it's a wonderful NER family, Northeast uh, region, and we all kind of follow each other around to events, so it's it's just a great group of people to to race with. Well, that, that's fantastic. So obviously that's your start. So now you're like, okay, I got that one off my back. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the next rally, and uh, what was that experience like then? Now that you at least have a little bit of experience of understanding what's gonna, you know, what's going into it, and uh, kind of knowing your own limits a little better, probably. Yeah. So other than the the engine, um, we were pretty happy with how everything went and we, we didn't really have much to reprep for, um, STPR in Pennsylvania. A couple of months later is, is the next one we did. That was a whole different kind of fun, very different roads. Um, it rained both days, so it was pretty slick Mm -hmm. and we ended up, uh, we ended up fourth at that event, which started a streak of, of just off podiums for us. Uh, for a couple of events. So then this year, um, what I've noticed this year is uh, y- y- your competitiveness has uh, increased a couple notches here. Yeah, we've uh, got a lot of stiff competition. So it's um, it's really pushed us to step outside of our comfort zone, uh, speed-wise, note-wise, and, and really try to uh, try to learn 
um, how to how to build speed, how to carry speed. We've been neck and neck with uh, Greg Healy and and Phil Barnes most of uh, most of the year. Same with uh, Kevin Allen and Liz Cordara. So we're trading times with with both of those uh, teams pretty closely at all the events, and and it's down to. I mean, seconds a stage and seconds at the end of the event. I think it was half a second difference between us and third place overall at Sofer and two seconds to Kevin and Liz second place um, over 90 minutes a stage. So ridiculously close. Wow. That is awesome. That's so much fun. But when did you get to the point where you're like not just driving within yourself, but starting to look at stage times? Um, probably after the first year, um, we started, you know, the first year, you know, STPR was our last event of, uh, of my first year of rallying. And I just wanted to finish that one. I, I just wanted the engine to hold together and we crossed the finish line and, and we don't have a, a big fat DNF next to our, our name on uh, sneak attack rally. And then after that, it's like, okay, now we can start concentrating on, on, you know, where we are and where we need to improve. So we, we started writing our own notes. We went right to two pass recce, really took a, a lot of other steps to, to make that, to make that next jump to, to stay with everyone that's flying for the podium in regional. And it's ridiculously competitive for the NA four wheel drive uh, guys and, and regional overall. I ask this a lot, but what was that transition like for you of going from the Gemba notes that you, you know, pare down to, to tailor to you to doing your own? We were terrified at first, especially doing the recce. We we did probably three passes, I think, on most every stage that we could that first event that we wrote our own notes. Which was which one? Um, Sofer 2020. Oof. And Sofer has so many tight corners. Well, I actually, so that wasn't as bad for us because like Neffer was more difficult, I feel, to, to get good notes in because there's a lot of fives and sixes and there's there's not much to break it up in some areas. So it's easier to, I think, lose place. Uh. Um, whereas so far, you know, if you're on or off notes pretty easily in a lot of the, the tight stuff. So it was, and and we had we had trouble with Jemba notes and uh, and note calling in general before that. Um, so STPR 2019 was kind of a um, a disaster notes wise for us. We didn't. Geez, Ben. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't editing it like I should have. You know, we were just calling the Jembas, and there was there was way too much information. Mm-hmm. Um, in areas I didn't need it and not enough in areas I did. Um, so it didn't suit my driving style at all. And then in the darkness, Ben ended up turning two pages at once on one of the longer stages in waste management, um, which was a, a pretty grueling experience to, to try and not drive off a, off a cliff or, or into the trees while he caught back up. But it's like we went right from that experience to – to pass and and we were like what if this happens with notes from scratch you know they're going to be so much worse than Jemba we're thinking and uh and it ended up being the exact opposite um we were so comfortable with the notes we barely uh skipped a beat the entire event um i think we we had like one call that i would call a, a missed call for a corner and it was such a, a confidence boost um to finish the whole event and not have any real complaints and I think that made a huge difference in in what we brought to the next event as far as competitiveness. Well, so let's talk about uh, New England this year then. What a stacked field. Um, <laughs> the, the regionals always are fun to watch. I mean, if, for, for those of you out there that, that don't follow the regionals, just follow the national guys, you are missing out. And the thing is, the class doesn't necessarily matter, right? There, there's usually like a, a top 10, at least, that are all just trading stage times real close to each other but you know that you're all competing kind of with with each other for the overall you look like the speed factors which are pretty good estimate of who's going to be fighting with each other and there are a good 
nine of you, I think, there so, that all could have won this thing overall. Yeah, yeah. If not for mechanicals for a lot of people, the the field would have been a lot tighter at the end of the event. Um, and that's the nature of Nefer. But with the regional guys, I I enjoy it so much because no one has like some significant upper hand with a sequential trans or, or a crazy engine or, or something like that. Um, you know, we're all in different equipment, you know, Dan Downey in, in his BMWs incredibly fast, Jesse Witzel, everyone has a chance if, if they're brave enough and they drive fast enough. And I love that. I love that aspect of it. Well, you had described it. Uh, if I remember looking at your uh, Facebook post of uh, brutal, fast, dusty, and the best weekend you've ever had in a rally car. So, Obviously, there's a lot that happens at New England. What was your start position, though? And, and you said dusty. So where you were, was it just really bad being back in the clouds there? It honestly wasn't too bad. You know, first day, it, it had rained. Um, it actually rained while we were on one of the stages um, first day. So it, there was basically no dust there. The second day on uh, Aziska hosts and... Um, Oh, geez, I can't remember the stage after is this coast. Morton cut off. Oh, right. Yeah. The the dust was so bad. You know, you're sitting at the start line for one of those and you're looking at the hill off in the distance, you know, a mile and a half. And you see the, the dust rising above the trees from the cars uh, flying down the stage. So you start to see dust 20, 30 seconds before you, you encounter somebody. And we caught up and passed... Uh, Louis Texera, who had a mechanical and was throwing up dust. So he was um, cruising along at you know, maybe 30 miles an hour. But that's really the only one we had to slow down for as far as pace. Um, so we got really lucky in that regard that we were all pretty well matched with speed factor. You know, I know some others really got caught out by the dust and, you know, lost bunches of time because of it. And that's always the danger at Neffer. Well, and it seemed like, you know, right from the get-go, you and Ben were right up there kind of with the with the top five, uh, right up there with, with TJ, with Louie, Kevin Allen, and then Greg Healy, who he still just goes off the frickin' root notes, doesn't he? Yeah, that's uh, that'll humble you, talking to Greg, and, and, and he goes, what? why do you guys do recce? What, what do you do that for? That's, uh, that's my drinking night. <laughs> oh, I love Greg so much. Uh, him and Phil, those guys are so fun. But they've also done these stages so many times, they probably know every corner memorized. You know, they can do it in their sleep. Yeah, yeah, unfair advantage. So they just, they take the Gemma notes and they just run that all weekend and, and they have a great night's sleep and uh, and they don't spend 14 hours on the road doing recce for New England like everyone else that uh, had to do two pass. So I, I really envy that and maybe I'll get there someday. Oh, so they did actually use Jemba, not Root Notes. Okay, because I remember they've done their, like, the, uh, oh gosh, what do they call it? The Old Timers Challenge or something? They did it up at uh, LSPR, where they did nothing but the, actually the Root Book Notes. Not even Jemba, just the Root Book. Yeah, just, just tulips. <laughs> just They're tulips. absolutely nuts. Yeah, exactly. I, but, uh, okay, so they, so they at least used Jemba this time. So it's <laughs> still kind of crazy to not even do recce, though. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, you know, you you go and talk to them and compare stage times and it's like, oh, man, cleared him by two seconds on that stage. And then he says, oh, yeah, I guess the Jambo wasn't wasn't perfect on that or or (laughs) (laughs) really, really takes you down a couple pegs. Uh, But, you know, it just shows the fun of the field. You've got, you know, young guys in there. You've got the, you know, obviously the what they can't call the. uh, Oh, the old age and treachery, you know, <laughs> versus the, the youth and exuberance. Uh, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Well, so, so yeah, pretty much from the beginning, you guys were right up there in that kind of top five uh, group with, with those folks. But when did it get to where you're like, okay, we're going to be able to pull off a podium here? I'd say we didn't we didn't even dare hope until we, we finished the— uh, the last stage because it, it was so close. Um, and we were trading times with, with Greg for, for third place all day long. And, uh, and Kevin Allen was, I think he ended up finishing 20 seconds ahead overall. 
So it, it would have been a big push to catch him. And, and he's he's so tough to match times with. And they just upgraded to Samsona's suspension like we did. So I lost my one advantage against him. And now he's he just ekes out a couple seconds every single stage consistently. So it was we had we couldn't let up all day long. We had to really, really push. It was difficult for us because we I underestimated the the speed that we'd carry on all these roads on Recce. You know, we're out there in a in a lowered Jetta wagon, um, Ben's car doing Recce, and I can barely maintain fifteen miles an hour and the car feels like it's coming apart around me. We really miscalculated some of the notes um, and we didn't carry speed where we needed to. So it was a constant adjustment throughout the weekend where Ben's calling out cautions that I had him write down and and I have to decide, well, is this a caution that I can ignore? Is this is this really a caution now? Wow. And uh, and luckily I ignored mostly the right ones. There was there was a couple uh, uh <laughs> stay lefts or stay rights that I, I did the opposite um, for the rocks and road. And we had, we had some interesting experiences, but we got away with it. Wow. I, I was going to ask, cause I mean, I, you know, I know I've been to new England a few times now and uh, unfortunately not this year, but what they call them the, the baby heads. Um, <laughs> but you know, they, they spray paint orange, you know, all the large rocks there and at speed, sometimes it looks like a river of orange. There's so many of these big rocks sticking up, through the earth you got to decide right whether it's do i run my tire over this and risk a puncture or do i try and center line it and you know hopefully it doesn't destroy my skid plate and take out my oil pan in the process yeah yeah and it's you know you've got zero time to decide you know you come over a crest or something and and there it is and you know we had raised our suspension a little bit so luckily i I could clear most of that and I didn't have to worry except for the really big ones. But, you know, you got a choice, you know, do you unsettle the car and try to zig right or left and, and put, put a couple wheels off to get around it completely, or do you let it, you know, kick the tires in the air and risk a flat and, you know, what, is it a, you know, a sharp outcrop? Is it a gentle ramp? It's, it's such a tough decision. And that's why so many people, you know, end up dropping off with mechanicals is because you, you guess wrong one time and you're done. I must say that, uh, you do have a YouTube channel where you can see some of the onboards you post up there, which is brilliant. I, I love taking a look at some of those. If somebody wants to uh, see what these stages look like. I think Sturdivant Long was a good example of that. And you go through some pretty rough sections that I swear it just sounds like it's just chewing up the underside of the darn car. But then you also have an interesting note I heard, and, and was it like logging mess or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I think it. I think it was logging mess. Um, so we we try to insert uh, a couple of those those kind of unique notes uh, just to cue us in on on where we actually are, um, and it and it helps you know it helps with uh, you know the confidence building of you know here's you know, we're on pace and, and I went through a section that I recognized and okay, we're, I'm confident that I can carry speed in, into the next area. So there was logging mess. There was a moon jump. No moon jump. Moon jump. Okay. Describe what that is. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that was a, a wicked kicker. I forget on which stage uphill after a bridge. I think that, that, you know, unsettled the rear, kick the rear way in the air and, and then you're is that that left hander there's the picture of Seamus's car just bucking up in the air that that might have been it yeah wow yeah that looked insane those are the the danger areas right where it's it's you know a, a bumper kick that that'll unsettle the rear and get you out and and that's what um in 2019 that's what caught out a lot of people on icicle brook yeah so we had two crashes we had Mike Miniman and Adam Kimmett yep um, crashed over the same kick that unsettled the the rear that that most people didn't even have marked as as a jump maybe or anything in the notes right because in your notes at the right exactly at the recce speed it didn't realize it was such a thing until you're just flat out it because I mean that it's such a high speed approach to that thing right yeah yeah it's it's and you just roll over it at thirty miles an hour and you think nothing of it but at speed it it took two cars. It, 
it sent one into the woods and one into a, a rock outcropping. Wow. That, yeah, that can definitely be intimidating. But uh, so do you have a favorite stage you had at this New England? I, I would have to say Concord Pond would be my favorite stage, hands down. That's an easy pick. It's all right. I'll agree with you though. It looks like it's so much fun. It it for for how it may be short, but damn, even doing recce on that thing's fun as hell. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just such a challenge, you know, to be able to run it twice and to build confidence, and then you're in front of so many spectators as you go through, and it's it's so special just because it's you know the first two stages of the rally, so you're already so pumped for it. Everything is in perfect shape on the car. You've got all this um, optimism about how the rally's going to go because you haven't gone through any of the rough stuff yet. So it's just this this wonderful experience to uh, to fly through Concord Pond and, and to finish. Well, that's brilliant. And you did end up on the podium uh, this time and uh, beating out Greg Healy and uh, some of the other uh, folks in your group. What did you think when uh, you passed through the finish this time? Uh, we were uh, we were real happy. Every time we we passed by where we broke down in 2019, <laughs> did you have like a note for uh, something like that? We did. We well, I guess it was after the the finish that it actually broke. So I guess maybe not. Yeah, we we had to slow down and, and look for bolts that I I left on the the side of the road from from the impromptu engine pull. I love it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, to be able to to finish. New England Forest Rally, not with a DNF, but with actual times on every stage was uh, was quite a feeling. And and we were so overjoyed to to pull into Park Fermi and, and finish up the rally and, and uh, to get a little bit of redemption from uh, the disaster that was 2019 from a mechanical and a, a health level. Awesome. Awesome. Did they? Uh, did, did you regionals get champagne too? We did. Yeah, that Sweet. was uh, that was really nice. That was something that doesn't often happen for regionals at any rally. Yep, it's an option. Yeah, that's something the area rules only require it for the nationals, and then for it's optional for the regionals. So that's awesome. You guys got to do that. And and for sure, everyone everyone that ended up on the podium at regionals definitely felt like they earned it at that rally. So that was that was very cool. And the, the trophies were amazing. Ah, fun stuff. So what is the uh, next event then for uh, you and Ben? So we've got a, a full year planned out for the rest of the year. We've got STPR coming up soon. And then uh, New York Forest Rally. And then possibly LSPR after that. Trying to finish out the the year strong and uh, and keep things going. Yeah, I mean, I, I did. I didn't want to bring up the uh, little bit of elephant in the room, but <clears throat> you're second in regional for East. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to jinx anything by talking about it too much um, <laughs> because second place is is very close to seventh place as well. I think in the in the points right now it is yeah it's it's it's, it's pretty tight there <laughs> a lot of people pretty yeah, close there kevin and liz are are first right now and, and they got one more event in they went to snowdrift early in the year and unfortunately now stpr has been turned into a regional only so there's less points and stiffer competition mm-hmm. um, for those points so it's, it's going to be really tough to try and make up ground on those two for the year um, but we're gonna we're gonna see what we can do at the next few events. And uh, STPR with its uh, change there, if I remember right, they're essentially they're just gonna do it on waste management land, right? Right. Yeah, which is tight and bumpy, um, and it actually suited us really well. We uh, we made up oodles of time in 2019 on those stages on everyone else, but man, it is rough on the car. So uh, we <laughs> really really got to reprep well and and come uh prepared with spares i think for this year maybe uh new skid plate if yours isn't chewed up too much from uh, new england yeah i i've been uh taking it off and and straightening it in a press probably once once an event the past year um apparently carrying speed also means hitting more things than uh than i did early on so (laughs) yeah it does yeah it does for sure well Thank you so much, Dylan, for coming on and talking to us. Uh, really excited for you and, and going towards uh, a regional championship. I mean, just talk about a step up from, you know, that first rally that you had at New England with all that drama 
and all the people coming out to help. Uh, I know that you always communicate a lot also in, in the uh, Facebook groups to, to help anybody that has a question. And uh, it just goes to show you're just part of that rally community that helped you. And uh, you pay it forward. It's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a, a privilege, I, I think, when I, I'm able to help somebody else with a question. Um, because so many people have helped me get on stage. And it's been such a whirlwind two years and and i wouldn't trade it for for anything all right uh, well folks i hope that you uh follow dylan gondike um actually since I, I was talking about that youtube channel um what is the actual uh, address and best way to follow you and ben and what you guys are doing because you guys are definitely fun ones to follow yeah so my personal youtube channel is is just d gondike and there's all sorts of stage videos and then car prep videos as well on, on all manner of, uh, of rally car prep from underbody to engine bay to steering, et cetera. And then uh, we have a, a team Instagram at Wicked Function. Um, you can follow us there. We try to post probably a half a dozen times per event as, as we're going through things and keep everybody updated. That's, uh, that's where you can find us. All right. Well, good luck at STPR, and uh, we'll catch up again sometime. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. For the second time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Cheers. Take care. Take care. Well, thank you again to Dylan Gondike. And, well, the New England Forest Rally, it wasn't just a car breaker. It was actually a record breaker. And I'm not just talking about those who were speeding on recce. Seriously, folks, we gotta stop doing that. You know, I've said it a thousand times. I'm an organizer, and I know how hard it is to get roads and I know it's only a few people, right? You know, you think that uh, someone is you know, you're not going as fast or you're going slower than somebody else. But once there's that one person that goes completely berserk, the locals are going to start paying attention to every car. So if you're not going quite as fast, but you're still going faster, they're going to be looking at you too. And they just see it as a whole and uh, start going after us. So we want to keep these roads We're in somebody else's proverbial backyard. We don't want to shit all over it. So just behave, please. Yeah, we just we just got to stop that. Um, I know it's hard and. Yeah, just just be good, be good to the neighbors, I guess. Uh, Anyhow, I wanted to bring back uh, the topic that I talked about in the last show, which was about how I was comparing Concord Pond to figure out if Barry's car was too fast versus Vermont sports car built Subarus and, you know, see if it was just out of scope of the competition. I think I made a pretty good point saying that, you know, it's not significantly faster than the Subarus, at least not faster than they were in the past to other competition to them. But the new car that Barry has is significantly faster than what Barry ran previous and uh ironically david higgins drove that to victory at new england right but i think what i really wanted to say is that all the top cars i think are getting a bit too fast so here's some food for thought uh some more numbers i was bringing up there were multiple records broken uh at least with the current configuration of the stages in new england first there's a concord bond stage um yes they went faster in 2017 Uh, They all went over that 85 mile per hour limit, but with the little bit of a a little bit different design of it this time, the stage, they gained several seconds on this stage and they were back up to that 85 mile mark just below it, right around there. They, they were going wicked fast again. And uh, again, a new record for the current configuration anyways, has been run for the last three uh, times out there. Uh, South arm. David Higgins had the previous record on that of 7 minutes, 11.3 seconds. A new stage record by Barry McKenna on that one of uh, 6 minutes, 53.6 seconds, so 84 mile per hour average. And that's including three virtual chicanes. Likely another record on Icicle Brook going the other direction, but unfortunately there was some timing problems with those virtual chicanes, so we can't really use that. I do know the average speed was still about 83 miles per hour. So then we had uh, stage 6 and 10, that was third event long. Uh, in that one, Oliver Solberg had the previous record. Well, now there's a new record by Travis Pastrana. And he beat that record by you know, another uh, six seconds, uh, averaging 73 miles per hour. And he was 11 and a half seconds faster than his previous fastest time on that stage when he was out there. Stage 7-11, Wilson Mills. 
another stage record, this one time by Brandon Semenuk, averaging 84.2 miles per hour. Uh, also had two virtual chicanes in there. The slowest stages of the weekend, all the top cars were right around 70 miles an hour um, on the tight and twisty stuff. So I guess my point is the fast roads that we tend to have here in the States, maybe we need to slow down the entire field just a bit more. I mean, we had that kind of 85 mile per hour limit that was one of the rules uh, for the stages, for stage design, kind of for a reason. In general, I know just straight stuff uh, isn't necessarily more dangerous. But you have where the cars are actually taking the corners pretty quick, too. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking that just from a safety standpoint, maybe it'd be a good idea to kind of get everybody down to an R5 plus or what a current top WRC driver would drive an R5 car, <laughs> something like that. And, and if you think those cars are slow by comparison, the reality is today's latest generation of R5 cars are actually as fast as the previous generation WRC cars, the uh, 2016 era WRC cars. So they're not slow, not by any means. Anyway, I just want to kind of throw that out there as a thing to, I guess, ponder not only slowing that top field down a bit, but then thinking about how do we get there? Would a smaller restrictor do the trick? I don't know, I started pondering that and I'm like, with all the countless right and left fives and sixes, you're still going to probably get back up near that top speed again. Um, and of course, with these average speeds, that doesn't talk about what the top speed of the cars are, right? They're still getting way up there over 100 miles an hour over time. And the other thing is, I really like all the torque and acceleration of the cars. I don't want to really take that away, you know, because that's the spectacle part we all like very a lot. So... I don't know. I've been trying to ponder different ways. You could do, add more weight to the cars. They've done that in the past. That slowed them down from 217 quite a bit or, or a good chunk for a while. But again, once you start building speed, you know, that maybe doesn't slow down the top speeds very much. Here's a weird one I was thrown out. What, out. what about if we there was some sort of spoiler you could have on the cars? And not a wing, but if you're over a certain speed factor, you have to have basically a wing that is designed such that it creates so much drag it'll slow that top speed down i don't know i i'm just spitballing different ideas out there i'm not an engineer but uh the bonus for bringing that top class down would be that uh we end up having more competition right you'd end up having more folks that would be uh, close to that and uh, potential for wins i mean more than just the top four cars or five if you count david higgins whenever he's visiting so Anyways, just wanted to throw that out there that, uh, yeah, uh, at least on some of these roads and, and some of these events, the cars are really wicked quick. It gets a little bit scary out there, <laughs> and uh, we don't want to see anybody getting hurt. I know the top cars are some of the face safest out there uh, with all the safety features, but I don't know if we want to test them, to be honest. Anyway, I'd like to say thanks to our supporters, uh, including Melee Design Firm, who have just released their new series of Melee mounts for several Group 35 and 31 batteries. These new mounts apply to quite a few of the daily use rigs out there. Um, I was talking to Mitch and looking at his website, uh, and they just uh, showed how uh, Larry Chen, I guess, put one in his Baja Tundra. That's on this build post on Hoonigan, if you follow that stuff. Uh, but Bucky Lasix, when you put one in his uh, Rally Ready car as well, so... Uh, check out MeleeDesignFirm.com to see their stuff. But I also want to do a shout out to uh, Melee's Ryan Lund. He's the guy, their videographer that they use and uh, does all the really cool Melee videos. And they're, they're just so top notch. Not just doing the cool rally videos we've seen Ryan doing, but if you actually take a look, he's done some really cool like product videos. And our good friends up at Nameless Performance... I've been to their workshop, and you can see this uh, video stuff that uh, that Ryan Lund did. If you want to know what Made in America looks like, his track that he does going through the whole shop uh, with that video is just it, it's just great to see. And you can you can really tell just how these guys work so hard to make good products. And uh, anyways, I just wanted to say a shout out to that awesome video. Uh, it's our friends up at Nameless, who, who we all love so much. And then, of course, uh, Ryan and how much work he puts into doing those videos. So uh, happy to have them as a supporter of the Rallycast. And uh, anyways, we'll be back with another show soon. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening. And don't be boneheads on Recky. <laughs> <laughs>